Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk about our membership program. Uh, we recently broke a pretty big milestone. We have over 100 startups and small businesses on the platform offering up to 50% off all their product and gear. If you're like me and you're always looking for a new uh, backpack or new gear for your addictions, whether it's skiing, snowboarding, camping, surfing, whatever it is related to the outdoors, you can hop onto this membership and peruse all of the brands. We're constantly adding new ones um, to really support all of your outdoor activities. We also have a number of travel companies. So if you're looking to take a trip, whether it's to Machu Picchu, South America, wherever, um, you can save on that as well. We also have a number of food brands, whether you need a new energy bar or you just need to, f- you want to find something uh, that's different and check it out. You can f- save while doing it. Um, you can also apply to become an ambassador for a lot of these brands. There's a ton of perks. So if you are interested in checking this out, head over to readyeddy.com slash members and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Health IQ. Like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. Learn more and get a free quote at healthiq.com slash readyyeti. What is going on, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with founders, founder founder <laughs> of Fresh Adventures, uh, Alex Ross. Alex, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Of course, just one founder over here. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I had a brain fart, but apparently I did. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. You know, for the listener that doesn't know and hasn't been paying attention to Ready Yeti's Instagram, first off, shame on you. <laughs> Second off, um, Drew and I have spent the last 12 days on one of your your trips in British Columbia, and I I I, I, I can say with complete confidence that it was the best ski trip I've ever been on. Um, Honestly, it was unbelievable. Uh, part of it, obviously, is the terrain, the skiing, the Powder Highway in British Columbia, which has always been a lifelong dream of mine, and I know Drew's as well. And then having someone like yourself with such incredible experience and knowledge of the mountains that we went to. So we 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 flew into um, British Columbia, skied Revelstoke, then Kicking Horse, then Whitewater and Red Mountain. So we skied a total of eight days over the course of eleven. And we got to uh, ski some incredible lines, like Kicking Horse, which is where you are right now in Golden. <laughs> now my new favorite mountain oh, yeah. ever. <laughs> like we, future home right here. Yeah, exactly. We skied that mountain hard. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm kind of going on a rant here and just telling people how much I love the trip. But I'd love for you to sort of tell the listener exactly what Fresh Adventures is. <laughs> Uh, yeah, totally, Josh. Um, yeah, so basically, Fresh Adventures is just my idea of trying to live like a fresh life and uh, do things that other travel companies aren't. So the word fresh kind of came in from, you know, everyone out there sort of got their preconceived ideas of what to do for tours. All the other companies are kind of running the same itineraries. And I actually found out last year, this is sort of after I named the company, but there's actually one or two companies out there that create tours and create the itineraries and then just sell them off to like 20 other tour companies. So it's actually most companies are selling the same tour itineraries that are designed by someone else. 
And so that, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but, but that's exactly what I'm trying to fight. So essentially freshness is, is my idea of, or I guess my way of expressing that our itineraries and tours are completely unique. Um, I didn't, you know, copy and paste someone else's itinerary for our tours. I haven't sort of been watching what the other tour companies are doing. I think this will probably come up later, but uh, essentially what I've done is just sort of moved into my car and, and lived out here in the mountains and had a good time for several years. And then eventually kind of got to the point where I was like, you know, what, I, what am I going to do with my life? What are my skills? And I was like, hmm, I don't know. Like, could I be a powder highway consultant? I don't, I don't know if I could do that really. Like, I don't know if people would pay me like a couple hundred bucks an hour to tell them about the powder highway. So I've sort of figured out a way to use my knowledge of the powder highway now to um, try and create something in this world. I think you did a pretty damn good job <laughs> so far. Um, but also for the listener, you don't just do powder highway trips. Obviously you also have uh, summer camping trips on Vancouver Island. What made you decide to sort of pair those two things together? So I guess, yeah, I, I guess basically our spread is between different geographic regions in Western Canada. And uh, the biggest thing was for me, um, I guess you wouldn't know this um, without having really got to know me over the last couple sort of decade or so, but I'm actually in like a, a fierce battle trying to figure out where to live. Um, so it's between three regions for me, the Rockies, the island, or I guess even four or five, maybe the coast, lower mainland around Vancouver, the Powder Highway, and way up north. And uh, I've, I've spent the last eight or nine years just traveling around in my car, you know, never lived anywhere for more than a year, and um, frequently like a couple months here, a couple months there. And it's beautiful, but it's it's also kind of tough. But the reason I do it is just because everywhere has got so many amazing things. Like the coast, you, you just can't match the coast on like a perfect summer day. Um, going surfing with your buddies, and then you just obviously can't match the Powder Highway as you experienced on a perfect winter day. So instead of sort of renting a place and and uh, finding a home somewhere, I've just been so stuck in my decision that. Uh, I decided to go everywhere. So I get to spend some time in the Rockies, taking people around the Rockies. I get to spend time on the island, showing people the island. I get to go around the Powder Highway and go skiing. As soon as I can get all the licensing and permits wrapped up, I get to go up to the Yukon and Alaska and uh, so do our team and start showing people the Yukon and Alaska because that's pretty special. And uh, we'll see where it goes from there. You know, I could, uh, I could do some hot summer sun near the equator maybe. So there's lots of ideas coming up. Okay, so obviously you've done a lot of traveling, a lot of skiing, a lot of surfing, <laughs> a lot of exploring uh, British Columbia and Western Canada. Um, did you always sort of know that you wanted to start your own business? Like, your, what's your background? What, what What's your upbringing like? So, yeah, it's actually, you know, I can remember the first day that I was going to be a guide. And it was actually when I was 10 years old, my parents told me I couldn't get a pocket knife till I was 12 years old. And I said, you know, this is garbage. One day I'm going to be an adventure guide and I'm going to need a pocket knife. So I, I should get one right now. And uh, that was the first time that I can remember that I actually publicly stated that I was going to be a guide. And then, you know, I went down some crazy path of trying to become like an advertising executive and and uh, got distracted for a couple of years. But 
right away. Like even before I was out of school, it was, it was like, you know, okay, so I'm skipping school to go off and surf and, and climb places and do some bouldering and caving and all that kind of stuff in Nova Scotia. And this advertising thing's just not really shaping up. So, um, yeah, I definitely, you know, I can remember a long time ago that I sort of have sort of had this in my mind and my, my childhood was definitely very supportive. My parents had a cottage a few hours north of Toronto where, you know, there was no one around. It was, it was proper Canadian wilderness. Uh, we'd, we'd snowmobile in and we'd hear the ice cracking at night under a billion stars and, and have a nice fire going to keep us warm. Be there in the summer paddling through miles and miles and miles of amazing Great Lakes fresh water. And, uh, yeah, it was perfect. You know, the wilderness is, has always been a, a home for me. So it's nice to, to finally be able to actually turn around and say, like, no, I'm not going to become an advertising executive. I'm not, I'm never going to get a real job. I'm just going to run around being Peter Pan for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's great. Living the dream. <laughs> um, all right, so very not sorry. What's up? I'm very not sorry. Yeah, no, I, I honestly, I'm very <laughs> jealous. <laughs> and slowly considering just leaving my apartment and doing the same thing. <laughs> You're um, not far off, my friend. Yeah, no, not far off. Exactly. I just got to convince Drew and Matt to come with me. <laughs> Those two are a little harder to convince. Um, just move into my van. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, okay, so who would you say is the perfect person to come on one of your trips, whether it's the Powder Highway or one of your summer camping trips? So what most people might jump to is sort of like, you know, expecting me to say I want someone who's like an advanced skier or an advanced hiker, very fit. Um, that's that's definitely not the case at all. I've taken people of absolutely every different fitness level, every different skill level. Um, I've taken beginners, skiers, people who couldn't even get down like a groomed blue or green run. And uh, true story, like I, I've seen people's skis come off on like a very cruisy blue run and then slide the whole way down the mountain, like on their face, <laughs> their ski beside them. Uh, I've taken people up mountains that probably should never even have looked at mountains. I actually, when I started, we were running a day hiking tour out of Vancouver. And that was kind of mayhem because every single day, unlike the multi-day tours, every single day you're getting eight to ten new people, some of whom have come off cruise ships, the train, some of whom, you know, traveled around the world to climb a specific mountain. And so you get such a diverse range. And I've taken people up mountains, you know, a few thousand feet above sea level in a matter of a couple hours and have them, you know, clutching my arm with vertigo and all that kind of stuff kicking in. Um, asthma attacks, all that kind of stuff. You know, it, it, that's a normal day for me. I, I really don't mind it at all. But what I really want is people who are there for an adventure. So people who can see outside of what people post on Instagram, who can see outside of their ideals. You know, of course, we all want to have an easy day where we're under the hot summer sun with the blue sky taking selfies the whole way up and uh, we get there we're never even sweating and we're kind of looking down on the world it's all great but uh, I'm after people who don't mind getting a little scuffed up on the way sweating getting out of breath people who don't mind working for what they want I'm going to take all of our guests way off the beaten path we're going to be climbing mountains they're going to be out of breath and you know I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone on my tour and and as I say this I'm thinking of you Josh because there are 
it was actually pretty amazing watching you ski <laughs> and i was like damn i gotta go hard to to get this guy tired but, <laughs> i was um, feeling the same way about you <laughs> the average human though is, uh, you know i i get experts on my tour who wind up on their hands and knees i get beginners on my tour who are enlisted and and do something they never thought they'd do so i'm really looking for anyone who's got a sense of adventure so who, someone who wants to push their limits they want to get off the path go into the unknown um they're not trying to make it to the finish line sort of unscathed they don't mind you know stubbing a toe along the way and uh, as long as anyone's got that kind of attitude and they want to really explore and, and see what's not really well known and you know, stuff they're not going to find on Instagram, that's pretty much who I'm looking for. Yeah, you know, I realized this like on our tour. So we, we had nine people, right, on our tour. And they ranged in ability from uh, just starting out, like never skied before, to like pretty aggressive skiers, <laughs> right? And then there were people all totally. in between. And like, I just think about like when we did uh, T1, a kicking horse for the listener that may not be familiar, it's like what a 15 minute Alex hike, which is like a 25 minute normal person hike. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, to, that's a stigma. <laughs> yeah. To, <laughs> which if you ever go on a trip, you'll, you'll understand what I mean. <laughs> um, to a pretty like gnarly shoot or a couple shoots. Right. And we took Lou up there who, would never have skied something like that. But because he had your guidance, he was totally capable of doing it. And he got down it. And at the end of it, he was like, holy crap. Like, I can't believe I skied that. And it, like, he wouldn't stop talking about it, which like right there, clearly it, it, that, that just shows the value of it, right? It's just like taking people, pushing them a little bit out of the side of their comfort zone, but keeping them inside of their ability level and just showing them like really what's possible. You know, it, it, absolutely. It, that's what makes the memory. And to me, like, it's like, okay, you could plan this trip yourself and you may be able to have a great time. But if you have someone who like really knows these mountains better than, you know, your hometown, it's just like, you're going to have a better time. <laughs> it's guaranteed, you know, and you're going to do things that you wouldn't normally have done. And you're going to feel proud about that, you know? And I think that's so important in an experience like this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, you know, even long before Fresh Adventures, I've got a lot of memories of uh, kind of taking people out of their comfort zone. And I think as a guide, that's something that you really get used to. And and I find a lot of guides kind of take it for granted, but I, I really try and appreciate it. You know, there's it's such a magical relationship when you, you spot someone that you know as a guide, you know, this person is in the right mindset. And, uh, you know, I can see where their limitations are and I can see exactly you know, why they've set those limitations for themselves. Like, you know, an average skier might call themselves a blue run skier. And then I can see they've got all the fundamentals necessary to do something really amazing. And, uh, and that doesn't just go for skiing and ski tours or even just being a guide, but even, you know, like I had a little brother for instance, and, uh, Julian and I would go on all sorts of adventures and, you know, there'd be this, crazy looking tree hanging out over the water they'd be like oh we're just going to climb that and jump off and and uh do something ridiculous and he'd be like no way that's insane and um yeah so as long as i can remember i've sort of been telling people like yeah you know this thing you've got in your mind where where you can't do stuff like you've just made that up and there's no reason for that and so lou for example you know like in we we saw him on his first run into North Pole at Revelstoke 
which looked more like a seal dive. <laughs> so, I think Drew was there actually to, to get a ski and throw down them. Yeah, which yeah, was great because that way you know you and I still got to ski and I got to do a face plant off that avalanche debris. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, a good tumble. Forgot that. <laughs> um, but you know, it's like you know, sizing Lou up. Like a lot of people might have written Lou off, but you know, the guy had heart. He had he had skill he had everything he needed and and he was keen and so he came up t1 he you know he hiked up it's like a mountaineer's route he got to the top and he skied down a double back diamond on on something that's like you know if you saw that that line in the back country that's like a proper line you wouldn't you wouldn't in the back country you'd never take like a intermediate skier down there but uh you know we did it with lou and he crushed it and, and look at the rewards yeah, for the listener that, you know, put it into context, it was one of the runs from the Free Ride World Tour at Kicking Horse. <laughs> so it was like it was an impressive run. <laughs> um yeah, no, it it, awesome. it 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 it's kind of the whole thing, right? It's the uh, the guiding experience, doing something a little outside of your comfort zone and then all the other stuff, right? So like going on that trip, I didn't have to plan anything except for obviously making sure that my flight got to uh, British Columbia on time, even though it got delayed <laughs> and ended up getting in late, but you waited for me, which I appreciated. <laughs> yeah, we gotcha. Um, but like really the, the, the food, like all the different places that we went to, you know, all the local spots, you know, all the people there, which is kind of incredible. I guess when you do it for a number of years, you start really knowing everyone in the towns and then also the hot springs, which were really cool and necessary <laughs> after skiing really hard Absolutely, a couple days great. in a row you know you, you can't really walk but getting into that uh you know 120 degree or 10 whatever the temperature was of the water and then going into the ice um bath and then back and forth and you know it's a nice way to uh counteract uh the lactic acid in your muscles but really just the whole experience it's um it's really unique and if i were to do this trip like myself, like if me and Drew and Matt or like a few other friends did it, it just, I know it wouldn't have been anywhere near as good. <laughs> it just wouldn't have been. And um, like, I know I sound like a broken record saying this, but like for anyone who's listening that is considering taking this trip, just, I would check it out and even just email Alex. Like he's, he'll answer all your questions, like anything, whatever it is, whether it's like, okay, how much more expensive is this than if I did it myself? Um, you know, where are we staying? What, you know, I am I too much of a beginner? Like I was trying to convince my girlfriend to go on this trip and she was like, oh, I'm not good enough. I was like, listen, like, I'm telling you right now, like it, it doesn't matter. You could totally go on this trip. And now after the fact, she's like, I wish I went. And I was like, I told you <laughs> now you have to live with I'm that. I'm sure she would have been fine. Exactly. She would <laughs> totally have been fine. Um, so I, I guess really what I want to ask next is in starting fresh adventures, what would you say is one of the hardest parts of really getting it to where it is now to being, you know, a legitimate full-time growing business? Ah, great question. So what isn't hard about starting a company? There's, uh, you know, like it, it didn't take long for me to look back at my friends and say like, thank God, you know, I'm, I'm on my own here. I'm, I'm not, in the same program as them. Like I've got friends who, who come meet me on trips and, and they can't even leave our work an hour early. Um, and, and you just look at it and it's like, you know, 
what? You don't have the freedom to just make your own decisions and plan your own schedule and take off whenever you want to take off and live on the road. But uh, you sort of remember, oh, yeah, you know, like, you know, they work for someone else and those are the rules. And um, so those those have always been very prevalent for me um, right from the start. And that, that's obviously why I kind of started a company like this. Um, but there are so many challenges along the way. It's it the list just keeps on growing. I mean, in the last, you know, since since you and I saw each other at the airport when you were leaving, um, I can think of like 20 new challenges that have popped up. And uh, it's something you might not realize when you're working for someone else is, is every day there are challenges and, and stuff pops up, you know, $10,000 here, $10,000 there, a license that doesn't get approved means your entire last year of marketing and sales is completely irrelevant. Um, there, you know, for running a company like this, there's so many different permits. And when you're hiring people, um, there are all sorts of regulations and, and you've got to take care of your employees first and foremost, and, uh, and make sure you build a strong team. You've got to build company culture. Um, I'm not sure what my greatest challenges are along the way, but, uh, definitely, you know, it's absolutely full of challenges, none of which are, are not worth it. Like, it's completely worth it. but. Uh, you definitely have to be ready for a good slog. I mean, you know, I've I basically lived in a van for the last three or four years now. I guess three years um, being mobile. I've I lost a really good relationship. That was, you know, I've been dating a girl for eight years, and uh, I spent three hundred days on the road last year, and and that's just way too much if you're in a relationship. So eventually, things fall apart. Um, but you just got to look through and see, you know, what's my ultimate goal. Like during that, that period I had the option, you know, am I going to just step back and, you know, think about selling my business or hiring someone else to do all the fun stuff. And then I looked at it and really thought, you know, what was my goal in starting a guiding business and my goal is to go guide people. So I had to let, let go of that relationship. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of that kind of stuff happen over the years. And I think a lot of people aren't quite prepared for that. So it's definitely, it's, you know, if you want to start a business like this, you need to be a hundred percent committed. You need to be able to throw away your entire existence and just become like a shell of a human until your business grows. And, uh, and maybe at that point you can start to think about creating your own life again. It's so true. And I was thinking about it when we were on the trip, because like obviously like I had to do some work <laughs> while we were yeah. having the time of our lives, so it's like you wake up early, you ski all day, <laughs> and like when we're skiing, yeah. we were skiing, <laughs> we were skiing hard. And so yeah, we, we, yeah. When I came came back, we get some dinner, and then I like sit down and be like, all right, so from like nine till midnight, I got to do all of these emails, and I just like start working, and then start slowly doing the head bob. You know, it just slowly. Yeah, yeah, asleep. right. After like five minutes of emails. Exactly, exactly. And like, I know it's like, woe is me. I got to ski all day. <laughs> like, that's not the point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like, when that's your job, which it is for you, you know what I mean? Doing anything else on top of that, especially when you're doing eight back to back fours that are 11 days each, that's exhausting. And it's not like you're just skiing, you're, you're organizing, you're running everything, you're, you know, making sure everyone's having a good time, you're planning things. And then obviously things will go wrong or like people might want to you know, go snowmobiling or do something else. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's all of these things that you're juggling. <laughs> and then also you're trying yeah. to make sure that people are booking the trips in the future. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, there's the sales thing and then the accounting and the, the permits and 
yeah, it just goes on and on. So it's, it, it's pretty full on. I won't lie. <laughs> it is, but it's also, it, it makes you feel alive. That's for damn sure. Um, it makes you absolutely alive. What's your, what's your greatest fear in regards to fresh, fresh adventures and how, how do you manage that? You know, I was actually thinking about that earlier and uh, it's so clear. My greatest fear, you know, the biggest leap I've ever made in my life is going from working for someone else to working for myself. And my absolute greatest fear in life is doing that in reverse and just going back to working for someone else. So that could be for a variety of reasons, but but essentially a Fresh Adventures is no longer viable at some point for me to have to sort of face the facts and just say, hey, you know what? It's not working and uh, I got to pay my rent or my mortgage or whatever and uh, go out there and find a job. And and don't get me wrong, like I'm after, especially after starting my own company, I'm sure you feel the same way. Like the amount of drive, the amount you have to be a, a self starter and everything to start your own company. I think, I think any job would be fairly straightforward at this point. Like, you know, if I invested the 16 to 20 hours that I invested today into fresh adventures into my job, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'd be doing okay at work, but, uh, I just, you know, I get resumes all the time from people and they, they're asking for work and I just look at it and I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad I'm not in that position right now looking for work. You know, I've, I've sort of got my next year ahead of me here and I know exactly what's going on. I love it. I'm sure you can relate to that. Like, you know, if you, if you really need to take a trip in October, you can plan your whole year around that. You've got the foresight or if you just really want to be doing something more than something else, you can sort of form your life around that and uh yeah i'd hate to lose that i've, I've worked a lot of ugly jobs jobs and i really don't want to go back to those yeah i, I kind of want to mention that a little bit like as a background because like starting a business like fresh adventures it you, you need a bit of capital to start and like you bootstrap the whole damn thing so i'd love for you to sort of share a little bit about you know your past and how like you really got to that point where you could take that leap for sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, there are a few ways that it that was made possible, a few of which were jobs. So um, I've mentioned that I've worked a lot of different jobs, and, and I'm not exaggerating. I've worked like 40 probably jobs in the last eight years. I've never had a job longer than six months. I'm sure the average job is like four months. And, you know, out here, there's a lot of seasonal work. A lot of people go on EI. A lot of people sort of get stuck in a job for their lives, and, and that's what they do. But I've I've sort of fiercely been fighting that and trying to just stay on top of everything. So I've, you know, worked in oil exploration until spring breakup and then jumped over to tourism for the summer and then jumped over to logging in the fall and winter, um, which doesn't have quite the same winter as, as oil exploration terrain. I've done drilling, worked for the government and the Coast Guard. I've worked in restaurants. I've worked landscaping, construction, dog walking, you name it. Um, and for me, it's never been about just getting by. It's always been about, you know, work as much as you can, as fast as you can, bank as much money as you can and put it away and uh, spend as little as you can. And so for me, um, yeah, sort of staying on top of my jobs has definitely helped. Uh, there was also a really fine line when I was getting started. Uh, I needed a lot of things to line up in my first year. Um, running a business like this, what a lot of people don't realize is that there are so many permits to get involved. You're looking at, you know, 
provincial park permits, municipal park permits, national park permits. You're looking at municipal business licenses, um, provincial bus licenses, passenger carrier licenses. You're looking at a travel agent license, tour operator license, all of which have their own specifications and requirements. And you need for all of that to line up. So you're applying for like 30 different licenses, maybe at least 20. And all of those have to be approved at the same time. And you have to project when that's going to happen, get your loans ready and, and get your loans in time to start your business at the same time that all your licenses start up. If you get your loans, say, in 2018, your licenses don't get approved till 2019, you've just paid a year of interest for no reason. And, and that alone could throw off your entire startup. So there's such a fine line between having your own capital um, borrowing money and and having the government and everything you know fifty different government bodies work with you at the same time and uh, and then also there's the sales thing so you you sort of have to have so many different facets come together and uh, if you can manage to have that happen then you might have a shot for your first year. I think it's, it's incredible uh, that you did it. <laughs> honestly, it feels like a monopoly. <laughs> the, the more I think back on it, just. I, I hope I never go go through that again. Yeah, but you're you're better for, off for it. You know, you just like talking to you about it. Like you know it so well. You know what I mean? Like you know it inside and out. And you've been guiding for how long at this point? You know what I'm saying? That it's just like it's second nature for you. That I, totally. I feel like it's yeah. just like it's obviously the right business for you. And everyone who goes on a trip, I feel like, is, has the same reaction. Um, yeah. No, I uh, I definitely. I definitely feel as well, you know, like a, I, I never second guess and should I be a welder or something like that? I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What feels right. Hey everyone, just a quick thank you to our sponsor who helped make the Ready Eddie podcast possible Health IQ. If you listen to this podcast, you're more than likely a pretty active person. At some point in your life, you're going to need life insurance, so why not benefit from your active lifestyle? It shouldn't be a surprise to you that being active increases your longevity. Reward yourself for all the effort you've put into staying active. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people, including runners, cyclists, triathletes, strength trainers, vegans, and more. Learn more and get a free quote at healthiq.com slash ready yeti. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made getting fresh adventures off the ground? So I like to think that any day that I haven't made a huge mistake is a day that I just haven't woken up yet. So... (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I, I can think of in the last few days, I've made several mistakes. In the last month, I've made a ton of mistakes. In the last few years, I've made a ton of mistakes. Um, major mistakes. It depends on sort of um, what sort of mistake. As a guide, you quickly realize that that you're holding people's trust, and that is such a fine balance. You know. You wave to people, you talk to them, they, they, they look at you and say, yeah, this guy knows his stuff. I'm going to follow him and this is going to be great. And then you take them down a trail and you get to, uh, sometimes as a guide, 
and this is something people might not realize, but even as a local guide who, who knows, you know, the lay of the land, stuff changes every year. Like, especially when you're ski guiding, you're on a different snowpack every single year. Like Josh, you and I went down that, that trail at Whitewater and I was going through the trees trying to find that drop. And, uh, you know, I've been down that thing 20 times this year. And since the last few snowfalls, no one's been that way. And so that, that trail through the trees was gone. And we basically had to sniff it out from tree to tree and, and thank God we found it. But, you know, had we been two trees over, <laughs> we would never have seen it. Yeah, I want to point out, though, for the listeners, he found that on his first try. <laughs> and I was like, how the hell did you know? that?" Because it's like, it's not in like a very obvious place. We get there, I'm just like, I feel like you've skied this mountain like 6,000 times to have been able to find this exact spot. It was crazy. Yeah. And exa- that's exactly what I mean is, you know, that thing, like had we been two trees over, like I would have been pretty damn close, but we wouldn't have seen it. So, so my guiding would have been completely out to lunch that day. And, uh, that can happen on, on any kind of trail. You might, you might be going up a hiking trail and turns out there was a windstorm there two weeks ago and there are like 40 trees across the trail. And, and you'd never know that because no one tells guides these things. Um, or there could have been a mudslide and half your trails wiped out. And, and so you, you've got these people's trust and you're, you're letting them follow you and, and they're, they're really keen and excited and, and you know, they, they feel like they're in the hands of an expert. And then all of a sudden, if something goes wrong, like you, you take a wrong turn or the trail's not familiar and suddenly you're on an adventure, that's when people start to realize like, Hey, this guy actually doesn't know where he's going. <laughs> and, uh, I've had that a lot of times in my life i've you know i've i've been up in the yukon guiding down rivers and and had like a fork in the river that wasn't even on the map and and one fork seems to go through a chain of islands and one fork goes like in the wrong direction and you're kind of wondering like you know where did these islands come from and uh where are we going here like is is one of these going to take me to the ocean one of them's going to take me to dawson city or are we going to go to the same place and you've got no idea. And sometimes as a guide, you just have to take a brave step into the unknown and hope that everyone follows you. And then if you do that, you kind of, you really need people to be on board. And that's sort of where it's coming from when I said, I'm looking for people who are up for an adventure um, in your question earlier, because sometimes you have to do a U-turn and, and uh, find your way back to the first path and try another route. Um, so I can think of a lot of mistakes guiding where, you know, taking people to the wrong peak by accident led them into a storm or, uh, into some like knee deep swamp where we had to cross like a kilometer of swamp to get back to our trail. And that's all, you know, that's, if if you're a guide and you've been guiding for a lot of years and you haven't been through that kind of stuff, then shame on you because, (laughs) um, sometimes you, you just, you've got to take these steps and unless you're like an absolute like guru in that area, like a total permit, just living on that trail, things change every year. And so you've got to go through that kind of stuff. So that's kind of guiding um, in terms of actual business and all that kind of stuff. You know, like I'm, I, I like to think first and foremost, I'm a guide, um, maybe turn businessman. I'm not sure if that's actually true yet, but uh, attempting to be turned businessman. And, uh, Oh God, the amount of mistakes I've made in the last couple of years since I started Fresh Adventures, it's, it's insane. Um, 
you know, like no one prepares you for this kind of stuff. And, and I'm not sure I even went to business school. Like I have a, a bachelor in commerce with a major in entrepreneurship, which, which people might think is like really first and foremost, you know, puts you in the right, the right position. I feel like a complete child out here, like Mowgli surrounded by the jungle. Um, you know, in the last year, I got to the point where it made more sense for me to be a corporation rather than an individual sole proprietor. And I incorporated, and little did I know at the time, but I've actually incorporated about a year too late. So I'm getting hammered in taxes. And then the way I incorporated, I'm also at the same time, I'm actually paying two years worth of taxes in one go. And, uh, yeah, quite frankly, you know, like I, I'm, I've done the math I'm going to get through, I'm going to be okay, but you know, I, it'd be great if there was someone breathing over my shoulder telling me this kind of stuff, like don't, don't incorporate and set a forward date for your incorporation because you'll have to pay double the taxes or, uh, you know, anything like that. It's, it's crazy. The stuff, you know, when, when you're, when you're sort of doing your passion, but, but turning it into a business is the whole business end of it. And, uh, yeah, I think things get a little exciting for sure. There's lots of licenses and permits. Like I'll have the government just look me square in the face and say, yeah, your park permit is delayed and you know, it's totally our fault. We won't be able to get it until next year. Um, sorry. And you just look at them and you're like, well, you know, I've got like 50 bookings for, for tours that rely on this park permit this summer. Um, these people all book flights, they book hotels, they've, they've staked their entire, enjoyment for the summer on this tour and you're just looking at me you know totally unemotionless telling me sorry what does that mean so you know i've i've gone through a lot of that kind of stuff and the the business end of things is really tough but uh you know to be honest I, i enjoy it it's it's uh it's a battlefield for sure but you know i can think of the amount of money i spent on school to go to university and learn this kind of stuff and you know, in four years of school, I haven't learned anything close to what I learned in a week of running a business like this. Yeah, I feel the same way. <laughs> it's like, I wish I had that money back to then spend on my business. <laughs> um, I bet, yeah. Right? Um, yeah, there's a few things I wanted to touch in on that. The first one was the whole guiding experience and the fact that, like, you know, there's, things change and there are runs that, you know, you just may end up in a situation you weren't originally planning. Um, you know, on our trip, we sort of, we, with the, with, uh, at least a few of the days of the trip that we were on, you know, there were certain runs that were just better in better condition, like whether it was Northern facing or Southern facing with just the way the, the sun was hitting it. And like, I just remember like us talking and being like, okay, so Southern facing aspects are going to suck, but this run is fun. So yeah. we should try it. And if it sucks, well, then we'll just know, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and it's sort of those like experiences where like everyone in the group has to be like, okay, like this is like there are going to be parts of it that are not that much fun, <laughs> but the parts that are really yeah. fun are going to make the rest of it so so worth it. Um, so yeah, I just I just wanted to bring that part up because I, I just feel like there were so many different parts of uh, the trip that were that just offered so many different things, and like really with the four mountains that we went to, the train was so varying whether it was kicking horse where you had like crazy steep shoots and then like uh whitewater or red mountain where it was like steep but treed well i guess whitewater was a little bit more open and like treed and then red mountain was steep and treed (laughs) 
And then we found that one little cliff yeah. stand where I did that uh, head smear with my, yeah. my helmet. Which, a few of the Josh Salvo yeah. head smears. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, for the listener that was there, maybe confused by that, um, I was following Alex, and uh, he creates quite a puff of snow when skiing. Um, and there were a few like drops that we just that I just couldn't see going off of and I didn't know they were there. And like Alex like went off of it and then like stopped and I didn't see it. And I just sort of fell off of it and then like folded. And like, basically my helmet was between the tips of my skis for like, I don't know, like six feet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then both of us just fell over laughing for like five minutes straight. (laughs) It was just a blast. My favorite was uh, at Red Mountain that time when, you know, I was starting to film. I was like, follow cam. I was like, okay, God, like, I got to keep up to Josh now. Great. Here we go. And you're like, okay, here goes. You know, a second in, jumped off the thing, just pulled it in half. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was incredible. I just, I, yeah, I hit the snow and just went right over the handlebars. <laughs> if you're not you're not skiing hard enough exactly exactly <laughs> it was yeah it was such a blast and um yeah you, you just create such great friendships like and now i have i'm friends with people who are from australia you know what i mean it's like i got a crash a couch to crash on uh, in, in australia if i want and like obviously they can crash in uh, line in new york in australia <laughs> what's up i've got way too many friends in yeah australia. exactly exactly um, so, like, those little aspects, you just never would have thought of going on a trip like this. Um, I mean, Chad was half the entertainment. <laughs> I thought Chad was the full entertainment. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. So that was why. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so yeah. what, what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in the outdoor space, really just a, a business in general? Ah, God. Um like, you know, half of me is screaming, like, tell them to keep their job because it's, you know, it's, it's stable and predictable and they can, looking back, you know, like working for the man was awful. It was like slavery, but just, just terrible. You know, you're being told to do stuff you don't believe in and you just being dragged down by other people and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I guess what I'm getting at is if you know what you want, then you need to follow down the path that's right for that. So for me, I want to be able to call the shots. I want to be in the world where I want to be at any given time. If I want to visit family in Ontario, I'm going to be visiting family in Ontario. If I want to be camping with a bunch of people in the Rockies, then that's exactly where I'm going to be. And if I want to be traveling and surfing waves in Indonesia, that's exactly where I'm going to be. And, um, you know, I'm almost at the point where that's a real reality. Um, but if, if you just want to do this because, you know, you want to have like a resume builder or like bragging rights or something like that, like if your real passions are, are being able to plan ahead, plan into the weekend, if, if you want to pursue this for like the ultimate freedom and, and know that it's going to be five times the amount of work, but in the end, you're going to feel like you're getting five times the reward, then, then you should be doing this. So I think the biggest thing for people is, is to realize why they want to do this. Like for me, for example, you know, I admire a lot of adventure companies. Um, I just read Loop Tale by Bruce Muntip, who is the creator of G Adventures, who, you know, they don't even contend for the world's greatest travel company or largest travel company, but but for the world's greatest travel company, they're 
they're way up there. And a lot of people don't realize why, but they're actually, you know, and I, I hate to promote someone that competes with me, but, but it, you know, these guys are crazy and I got to hand it to them. Um, the founder had a ton of vision and he worked super hard to get through it all. And, um, and they went international and, and they actually started off international, which I find really interesting. For me, I've started off local because this is what I know best. I, I don't understand how you could start a tour company. You know, me, for example, doing like a tour of the Great Wall of China just doesn't doesn't sort of ring true for me. Me doing a tour of the Powder Highway where, you know, bef- before running the tour, I've spent seven years during the winter living in my car on the Powder Highway. I've slept at every single natural hot spring along the way. I've I've been to all the resorts. I've seen them all on foggy days, snowy days, sunny days, icy days, you name it. Um, I've been thrown out of all the bars. I've tasted all the food from the restaurant. I've, you know, I've got friends in all the towns. I've been backcountry skiing near there. I've, I've seen their, their worst winters. I've seen their best winters. For me, running a tour of the Powder Highway makes sense. Going international doesn't make sense. And, and I actually had a huge struggle with that in the last year. Um, and it really made me realize because I'd read this book, Loop Tale, that was really inspiring. And I thought, you know what? Okay, that's it. I was in Morocco last fall. I said, I'm planning a surf safari in Morocco. And uh, that's the end of that. You know, I'm going to start selling the surf safari. I'm going to get to go to Morocco every year. Um, and who knows from there? Maybe I'll plan like a, a camping and mountain hiking tour in South Africa and then go on to do a surf tour in Indonesia and then, you know, you name it. And, and I, I really had to think about why. And at the end of it, the only reason I could think of apart from my own wanting to travel the world was vanity. I wanted to be able to tell people that I've got this international travel company. And, uh, and so for me, this is a huge lesson because once I realized that, I sort of shut the whole idea down. It was basically run an international travel company that I really don't know that well. Like I'm still a novice at traveling the world or run a tour company in Canada, which I can confidently say I know, you know, better than most people, even out here. Um, you know, I've just spent so much time exploring all this place. Like I can throw together a tour without any hiccups in 10 minutes on a notepad. Um, and so for me, realizing why I wanted something I thought I wanted made a huge difference. And I realized that, that ultimately wasn't the right idea. So for me, running an international travel company, just for the bragging rights of, of being this like international um, guy running around, running tours, wasn't right. And, and that goes for a lot of people too. Like, you know, I, I hear a lot of people, they, they come and tell me, you know, hey, it's so funny you, you're running this tour company. I've been thinking about starting the same thing. And, uh, you know, I, I entertain them and ask why and, and sort of what inspired it and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, I realize they just want to be able to tell people that they run a tour company. And I think if you're not truly and properly driven by the idea of doing this, it's just going to go horribly. The amount of money you have to invest. Um, the amount of dedication you need, the amount of commitment, the amount of sacrifice you have to make along the way. If you're only doing this for like conversational purposes, it's just not going to work. 
And so I think the biggest reason, the biggest thing that people should do is, is get inside themselves and figure out exactly why and what they want to do. And once they figure out what they want to do, they really need to hone in on why. If it's just for bragging rights, you probably shouldn't do it. If it's because you absolutely feel like you can't live without doing it, then maybe it's something you should go down. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have that why when it's 12.30 at night and you're super tired, you're not going to sit in front of your computer and keep working. You know what I mean? Close it and go to bed. <laughs> but if you do have that burning passion, then you will keep it open and you will keep working. <laughs> Regardless of yeah. how long it takes you to get there. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better. I mean, since I, I can say in the last three years, like I, I can't think of many times, if any, I've actually thought I was working. Um, I put in I put in twenty four hour days and that, that, like back to back. Um, I've gone through some some total terrible stuff, and along the way, I just had a smile on my face. You know, this is me building my dream, and. It was great. I, I never felt like I was working, but but I could see a lot of people thinking like this isn't, you know, like I became an adventure guy and I spent half my time accounting <laughs> and uh, crumpling receipts. I, <laughs> yeah, I, that's my new favorite sport. <laughs> Thanks to online accounting, receipts are now like projectiles. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we, we've 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 talked a little bit about this. Um, in the last couple of weeks, where, where do you see fresh adventures in the next year, five years, 10 years down the road? So we have talked a little bit about this. Um, basically fresh adventures is right where I thought a few years ago. Um, which is great. You know, like there are basically what I did to start with was play my bet safe. I wanted to get into a tour that was easily accessible by everyone. Um, like we, you know, we depart from pretty major airports, or at least the easiest to get to airports, um, or within range of the easy airports. We do front country sort of experiences with some back country experience along the way. Um, and everything's been great. You know, tours are overbooked. They're overselling early. We're already starting to get really booked up for the summer. I've actually already got bookings coming in for next winter now. And, and that's exactly what I had envisioned. Um, the question is where to go now. And so, you know, even just yesterday, I was visiting a friend in the Rockies and we were snowshoeing into this frozen lake in the middle of the Alpine, just surrounded by like, you know, absolute impenetrable silence and these beautiful snowy peaks. And the, the most entertaining thing was to just stop and look around and just be completely enthralled by it. You know, there's, not a person for as far as the eye can see. You didn't see a single track in the snow from anyone else. Um, there was no sound, absolutely no stress. And it was just so uplifting. And I realized, actually, yesterday I had a little bit of an epiphany and realized that um, the whole reason I got into this is because of my, my absolute passion for the wilderness. You know, I spent my childhood in places where you wouldn't see a single other person. Um, and that's not to be like an introvert or anything but even if you're like a super extrovert in the life of the party like if you venture into the wilderness it can be like incredibly relaxing and uh i sort of remembered that my original mission was to take people into the wilderness which is what we do on our tours but i just wanted to do it on a bigger scope and so it sort of reminded me that 
I need to get cracking and, and uh, start working towards getting permits to take people further into the backcountry. So I've got a lot of ideas for a couple sort of like three, four night hikes that I'd like to start doing. Um, so that's something I'm going to be adding to our list of tours. I've also, I really want to get more into paddling. Paddling is sort of how I grew up on the Georgian Bay in Ontario. Um, doing like a few days paddle or even like a week or two week canoe trip down a river, I find is absolutely so magical. Um, so that's something that I'd like to start to do. And a lot of people don't realize that Western Canada has got so many rivers that you can canoe down. Um, there are almost no recreational paddlers going down these rivers. And so to be able to run a tour down here, um, it's a way to take, you know, absolutely anyone from around the world, they just need to sit in a canoe and listen to you. And next thing you know, they're completely in the wilderness surrounded by more animals than humans. And, uh, and that's pretty magical. And then you and I spoke in a little bit of detail last week about that lodge in Golden. That's actually why I'm here right now. Um, there's this beautiful lodge that's, it's, you know, it's road accessible, but I could run any amount of ski programs from it. And the amount of, I was actually camping not far from it last night, which if you can imagine was, was a little cold, <laughs> but, uh, colder than expected even. Um, this lodge is just in such an incredible place. And so I'm trying to figure out how to bootstrap it. And, and that's actually something you and I might be chatting about in the future. Um, I'm hoping to meet with a guy in the next day or two. He's got this beautiful five bedroom lodge, which I want to turn into like a seven or eight bedroom lodge and, uh, and do a lot more ski clinics and stuff from there. Picking horse, like you mentioned, is, is just so full of extreme terrain. This is, if, if people want to learn to ski in an advanced way, this is where to do it. Oh, it is. Or scare the sure. crap out of yourself. <laughs> Both basically. <laughs> yeah. Same. That's kind of where I see it all going. Yeah, it's really exciting stuff. Like I, I'm excited about it. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I'm sure. I can't even imagine how excited you are about it. And um, for anyone who's listening that may be interested in that, um, any updates that we do have as that go, we'll definitely post that. And you can also follow Fresh Adventures. Um, keep tabs on all of those things. Um, but with that, and and I think you've probably answered this already, but. I figure I'm just going to ask it again anyway. Um, what's the best part about running Fresh Adventures? Oh, what isn't? <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people, and, and this is something that's, that's for a lot of, of new guides and uh, people who are getting into guiding roles. The best part about running a tour is that you get paid to do what you love to do. But after you've done that a few times, so, you know, you've, you're running a, a hiking tour out of Vancouver of, of, uh, the chief, which is what I used to do. Um, you know, I hiked the chief 87 times in the summer, which is like a, like just over 2000 feet of vertical. It's this hike above sea level that it's pretty amazing. But, but once you've done it 87 times, obviously it's, it's just not the same. Um, and so, it grows for you. Like the first part about guiding in general for me was getting, you know, making a meager living doing exactly what I love to do. And then it kind of grew and grew and, and 
I sort of, I started to love to see people who had the same reactions as me as when I first got there. So, for example, when I take people up the chief, the first time I got up there, you know, you, you come over this ridge and you gasp because all of a sudden you can see House Sound and you can see the surrounding mountains. And then you come up over the top, you're on the peak and you can see Diamond Head Peak. And it's absolutely flabbergasting. And then eventually it gets old for me. And then I see other people enjoying it in the same way. And then it kind of develops from there where this is very related to when we were talking about Lou earlier. Eventually you start to see people um, going through what you went through in the, like the very infancy of your career, I guess, as, you know, as an outdoors person for skiing, for example, like Lou is going through challenges that I went through in my first year skiing. And, uh, and I guess that's, that's something a lot of people forget, you know, I hear it a lot is people assume on the tours that, that I was just born, like popped out of the womb onto a pair of skis that was already positioned on the slope. And the first 10 seconds of my life were spent beating down a black diamond, but it's, it's actually not the case at all. Like I had to beg my parents for like 13 years until I could finally go downhill skiing. And I had to listen to the stories of my friends going out to Big White and Whistler and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I used to get really upset about it because they got to go skiing every year and I, I didn't, or I got to go skiing in Ontario. And uh, I was kind of sour about all that. But, but in retrospect, I realized, you know, it made me more passionate. And so what I'm getting at is that, that I had to go through all the same steps as everyone else. Like I, I learned to ski for a week when I was 11, then I switched to snowboarding. I snowboarded for probably 10 years, I guess, 10 or 11 years. And then when I was 22, I switched back to skiing because I knew I was heading out west from the East Coast. And so I've only actually been skiing for, I guess this is my eighth year, I think. And uh, seventh or eighth year. And, you know, people assume that I, as a 29-year-old that I was born on skis, and, and it's absolutely not the case. I've been skiing for eight years. Um, I'm just like the other people, you know, I had to learn how to ski. I had to go through the scariest stages of snow plowing to parallel skiing, to skiing on steeper slopes, going off piste, going through trees, all that kind of stuff. It's not natural to me. And I had to learn it all. And, um, and so when I take people skiing and I see them facing these challenges, you know, I'm, I'm able to help them because I've been through there not too long ago and, and they forget. And they sort of assume like, oh, this guy doesn't know anything about what I feel because, you know, he just was born knowing how to ski. Um, but really, like, I know exactly what they're feeling. And for me, watching them face these challenges and when they, when they trust me and they take that leap and get to the next level and just seeing their, their sheer enjoyment or, or sort of watching their world grow, is that's why I do it now. So it used to be, it basically goes from getting paid to do what you love to getting paid to watch other people do what you love to helping people grow and, uh, and connect with a lifestyle that they might not have connected with. And so for me, that's, that's just amazing. Yeah. Like it's, uh, that experience must be incredible. And it's, it's funny. It's true. Like when, when we went skiing and a day or two in, you're like, yeah, I've only been skiing for eight years. I was just like, okay, you're, you're, you're full of shit. <laughs> like, there's no, I remember that moment you guys said just 
just cursing, <laughs> cursing me behind my back. I was. I was like, how is this guy? This is good. And he's only been skiing for eight years. I've been skiing since I was three. What the hell? <laughs> like, like a golf ball in his boots. But honestly, it shows. You know, like, you look at me like I'm I'm just young, dumb, and stupid. I'll throw off anything and, and then crash landing somewhere, and it's great. But, but you know, for you, like, you were, when you're jumping off stuff, you might look uncomfortable in the air, but the second you hit the ground, it was just like, you're back in your element, and it was clear that you were going to stick it and not crash into that tree. Well, I think it's because I wouldn't send it quite as big as you did. <laughs> uh, except for that one jump at, at a, or that one drop at, uh, at Whitewater. That one was just too much fun. <laughs> I, I acknowledge that. That was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was super fun. You were sending it off there. <laughs> All right, so for the listener that um, is listening to this before April 24th, you can actually enter to win a six-day trip through the Powder Highway with Alex and Fresh Adventures. Uh, if you head over to readyeddy.com uh, and you can enter there, we're also giving away a ton of other gear um, for a bunch of ski and snowboard brands. And um, Alex, if listeners want to maybe uh, reach out and um, figure out uh, their their trip or start maybe planning a, a trip, whether it's in Vancouver Island, camping, or through the Powder Highway, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, totally. Honestly, if like for anyone who's listening, if you're planning to come out to Western Canada, Alberta, British Columbia, Yukon, Alaska, you name it, even like Oregon or Washington, just hit me up. Um, you can email me info at freshadventures.ca. Um, that's probably the best way you can see our Facebook, Fresh Adventures Canada, or I guess that's our Instagram. I don't even know what our Facebook is, freshadventures.ca <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> um, just get in touch with me. Like I said, email is the best way. And, um, you know, I'm happy to help everyone out, whether or not they're planning on coming on a tour with us. If you want to come out and just do like a road trip or something like that, and you're wondering what's going to be a waste of time, what's going to be awesome, hit me up. Um, I know lots of waste of time, but I know even more things that are awesome. So I'm definitely happy to help out in that way. We've got our full line of camping tours coming up this summer. We've got a whole bunch in the Rockies and some on Vancouver Island. I highly recommend the Vancouver Island tours, and we will have some specials coming up through Ready Eddie as well. Um, so if anyone is really interested in sort of experiencing the West Coast or the Rockies in a very special way with some locals, then this is a great way to do it. I am personally going to be guiding the majority of our Vancouver Island tours and at least half of our Rockies tours. Um, so it's going to be a busy summer, but uh, a lot of fun. I'm excited to show some of you around. And uh, we've got a lot of really cool stuff. You know, anything from from jumping on a working freighter. This is like not a tourist experience. You're, you're getting on a working freighter that's delivering fishing supplies to little fishing villages throughout Barkley Sound on the west coast of the island. I personally will be teaching you how to surf if you decide to do that, or you can hop on a boat and go to a secluded set of hot springs on the ocean. Um, I would personally prefer you come surfing with me, but that's okay. And, uh, you know, we're going to be hiking to some peaks. We're going to be paddling into waterfalls that you can either drive to or come with me to paddle. We're actually, from where you paddle to on the lake, there is no trail. We are currently in the midst of making a trail. so. Currently, I've had probably about 40 people up this trail, and you can start to see it. I'd like to see another 40 people up there, and this trail will start to develop. But uh, for you guys to be involved in actually forming a trail 
two amazing set of three waterfalls in the middle of the wilderness of Vancouver Island is pretty special. Um, you might as well come now while the trail's being formed rather than, you know, 10 years from now when this is like a concrete path. Uh, in the Rockies, you can hike right to the base of the waterfall if you want. You can actually walk right under the waterfall and uh, no one's going to stop you. It's pretty amazing. Um, we've definitely got some pretty cool stuff lined up. So I'd love to hear from you guys. And if you want to come on an adventure this summer, that'd be great. Yeah. And, and if anyone is interested in the, in the ski trip as well, we drew and I made a little video of our experience <laughs> going through the powder highway. Um, so we'll link that up in the show notes. So if you have a head over to ready Yeti um, slash podcast, you'll find that. Um, so you can check that out. give you a little bit more of a, a visual of sort of the whole, whole trip. Um, and with that, Alex, I appreciate you taking the time. It was a blast catching up with you, and uh, I'm excited for all the stuff we're going to be doing together in the future. Me too. We're going to light it up. And I just want to say, so there's one question that I saw in those trip notes that I, I'm just going to answer even though it didn't come up. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. And, and, and I'd be pretty keen on it coming up in the show. So at first when I saw it, I was like, gulp. <laughs> uh, the question is, um, what is something people don't know about you that sets you apart from your competitors? So, apart from a whole bunch of things that are incriminating, <laughs> um, I'm going to go ahead and say, and this is something, honestly, I'd love for you to throw this in the podcast because this is, this is gold. Um, this might be a first time in the travel industry for this to happen. But, uh, and I know my mom's going to absolutely hate it if she listens to this podcast. She wants me to, you know, put my best foot forward, tell people that I'm university educated, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but truth is, I am an adventure guide, and with that, it's actually more practical for me to have no fixed address. You can read homeless than it is for me to live somewhere. So like I said, last year I spent 300 days on the road. So you take 60 days where I'm not on the road over the course of 12 months. That's like five days a month. And that's not always five days in a row. That's like a day here, day there, two days there. So for me to have an actual place to live out here is insane. I'd be paying five to a thousand dollars a month just for a place to lay my head for like maybe five days a month. Um, and chances are I'm actually not even going to be there for that five days a month because who knows? I might be in Golden visiting my buddy Matt here, who I'm staying with right now, or, uh, you know, over in the Rockies, visiting, visiting my friends, or I might be in, in Nelson or anywhere else. Like, I've got a lot of friends in these towns that I like to go and, and see. And uh, it's great because it, it lets me keep exploring. And um, what I like to think is that this is my true differentiating point. And, uh, you know, as I look at other tour companies, I, I see how they work. And it actually amazed me last year to, to properly learn how a tour company works. So take a company based in Vermont, started off doing bike tours in Vermont, and then they grew. And then they grew to the point where they said, you know, we've got this 2,000 person following. Let's create some more tours, or maybe even more than that. Let's create tours around the world. Let's go to the Rockies. So they talked to a company that offers guides and vans in the Rockies based on in maybe New Jersey. And uh, and then that New Jersey company says, well, talk to this company from Montreal, and they can give us an itinerary. And so by the end of the, this whole chain of events, 
you've got a Vermont company talking to a Montreal company who's dealing with a New Jersey company who is providing vans and guides, and then they're providing what they market as a completely local experience in the Rockies. The only problem is that not a single person in that chain actually lives in Western Canada. And of the people that have designed the tour or been involved with the tour, none of them have actually spent more than a couple of weeks in the Rockies doing the bare minimum to design their tour. Now, skip over to Fresh Adventures, and you've got me. And you've got my guides as well. Um, I've now got a team of about four people, four or five people, kind of depending on demand. And every single one of us lives within 100 miles of the guide that we, the tour that we guide. So, you know, there's the 100-mile diet, which I'm not sure how many people, you know, I'm not sure if that's a popular phrase or not, but we are the 100-mile guide. So you come on a powder highway tour, and you will be with a guide who is from and lives within 100 miles of the tour, and you will be on a tour that was designed by somebody that has spent almost a decade living exactly where that tour takes place. Um, I personally designed all of the tours. I've quit my jobs. I have blown off work. I have come out here. I've lived in cars. I've camped. I've run from conservation officers. I've crept around <laughs> the backcountry. I know this area like the back of my hand, and it gets no more local. And this goes back to that question earlier that you asked when I kind of talked about the companies that are international and, and all that kind of stuff. And this is why I'm not international, because I have not done this on a global scale. I know this area so well that I can guarantee an incredible tour. If a mountain pass closes for an avalanche, we can turn around and we can make your day even better. Um, if there's a wildfire in a national park and we can't get through a road, we can turn around and make your day even better. We've got providers that do rafting, horseback riding, hiking, canoeing, you name it. Um, so if anything goes wrong along the way, we're on a first name basis with them all. They're good friends of ours and they can take care of you. But if you book with your Vermont company that goes through the Montreal company that goes through the New Jersey company, you're going to get a cookie cutter tour that is available identically at about 20 other tour companies in the world. And we're talking about the largest tour companies. Um, some of the best known tour companies are selling these exact tours that are, you know, replicas of other companies. And I don't mean to stab anyone in the back, but it, I, I just don't think that that's adventure tourism. So this is my personal start to a crusade against cookie cutter tours. So that's what sets me apart. I live in a vehicle where these tours happen. I have no fixed address and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm still washed. I don't smell. You know, I soak in hot springs all the time. <laughs> I have showers, all that kind of stuff. I'm well fed. Um, I'm even shaven. Uh, I live where your tours happen. I live all over your tours. This is my backyard, and I love it. I know it better than anyone. Love it. You know, it's. Uh, I think that right there is the biggest differentiator. And, um, you know, for anyone who's considering, just take the leap and give it a try. Um, you know, I hear how, hear the passion, you know, I spent a couple of weeks with you doing it and going through all the motions and like, you know, it, it's an experience and, and you do a great job with it. And, you know, I appreciate the effort that you put into it. Um, you know, and I, and I'm so excited for all the things that you guys have going on in the future. 
Um, and I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here and, and, and share your story and the experience. And I'm glad we could, uh, we could catch up. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited for you to come stay in my lodge. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, um, we'll definitely have to keep in touch and see what goes on for both of us over the next little while. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of new and exciting stuff for both new companies, just kind of brainstorming and seeing what works. So there should be a lot of, uh, exciting frontiers being broken. Definitely, definitely. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Ready Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.